This episode of The Local Bar is brought to you by all new, all different, all of the above, the podcast that you've been dying to hear from for quite a while. It's a new version of the old scene by Mr. Hank Thorpe. You can find it over there on Spotify now as well as iTunes. Hank has been around for quite some time, saving the world two hours at a time. Interesting stories, great interviews, and an amazing perspective on anything that could be listed as all of the above. Go check him out on Spotify and iTunes, and you can also find links to his Podomatic page on alloftheaboveradio.com. So that's what college, in part, is all about. The idea that you'd have somebody in government making a decision about what you should think ahead of time or what you should be taught, and if it's not the right thought or idea or perspective or philosophy, that that person would be, that they wouldn't get funding, runs contrary to everything we believe about education. Um, I mean, I guess that might work in, in the Soviet Union, but it doesn't work here. That's not who we are, that's not what we're about. Now, one thing I, I do want to point out is it's not just sometimes folks who are mad that colleges are too liberal that have a problem. Sometimes, you know, there are folks on college campuses who are liberal and maybe even agree with me on a bunch of issues who sometimes aren't listening to the other side. And that's a problem too. I was just talking to, to a friend of mine about this. You know, I, I've, I've heard some college campuses where they don't want to have a guest speaker who, you know, is too conservative. Or they don't want to read a book if it has language that is offensive to African Americans or somehow sends a, a demeaning signal towards women. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't agree with that either. You know, I, I don't agree that you, when you become students at colleges, have to be coddled and protected from different points of view. You know, it, it, I, I think that you should be able to, you know, you, you should invite anybody you know, who, anybody who comes to speak to you and you disagree with, you should have an argument with them. But you shouldn't silence them by saying you can't come because, you know, my I'm too sensitive to hear what you have to say. Um, that's not that's not the way we learn either. So, what do you think, Arnie? He said, "Amen." All right. Okay. You're listening to the Local Bar Podcast with your host Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, amen, President Obama. And with that, from beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is The Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander. And of all the places you could be, 
you've decided to spend some time with us today. And for that, we are incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, part of the Libsyn Network. That's where your podcast hosting is. You can find us, friend us, follow us over there. You can find our website, localbarmedia.com. Send us emails. If you got questions, concerns, condolences, whatever it is, chad at localbarmedia.com. Yeah, so we're we're back. I uh, I guess I got a little bit of explaining to do, and I, I want to go ahead and say, uh, because of our guest that we have this week, I, I am going to push the interview up a little bit further than I normally do, um, because I think it's very important that we get to the interview very quickly. Uh, the interview is not only uh, incredibly timely and a, and a wonderful conversation that I think we need to have, uh, but it also highlights something that I think is very important for all of us right now, no matter what we're going through, about uh, positivity and how infectious that is to the people around us and why that's important. But um, I, I know that I've got some explaining to do. So I, I want to talk about this on the front end of the show very quickly. For, for those of you that may be new to the show, or for the folks that may not have heard the last episode last year, uh, we did cancel the show back uh, at the end of June, beginning of July. Uh, last year, uh, about that time, or a little bit before it, uh, I had a few people sending me some pretty nasty emails. And we started a conversation back and forth that I, I thought was unfair, and I think it's unwarranted. But in the climate that we live in, they just didn't like a couple of the folks that I had on the show. The show's always been about people that are interesting and have positive short stories to share, whether they are on one side of the aisle or another, whether whether they are agnostic, atheist, or Christian, Muslim, whatever. All of that, it's not that it doesn't matter. Part of it is usually part of their story, but it is always welcome here. I had two gentlemen in particular that made a group of folks kind of mad, and um one of them is a is a comedian who is involved in politics, but we didn't even talk politics on the show. We 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 basically centered it around uh, growing up in this part of the uh, of the country, and comedy. The other gentleman uh, is a black rapper from the UK, but they didn't like his uh, conservative American values. Yeah, that one still confuses me a little bit. And with him, we didn't talk politics either. We we talked self help. Uh, how to promote ideas that you want to do, stuff like that. But, you know, th this is not my this is not my nine to five. And uh, there were some threats made and some some of the shots across the bow were, were kind of hit kind of close to home. And I, I, I wasn't quite sure what to do for a while. I talked it over a lot with my wife. She begrudgingly agreed, and we, we shut the show down. I have missed you immensely. I have missed the stories. I have missed your emails. But more than that, I have missed the platform that we have here in order to bring your stories to other people. I, I do, I, I got to tell you, the amount of emails that I got, uh, the folks that reached out and, and and said they really wanted me one day, if I didn't bring the show back to do something again, y'all, that really touched my heart. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciated it. it. It really it really means a ton to me. I do have to give a little credit to somebody, though, um, and, and he really deserves to kind of be pulled out. I, I, I was 
back a couple months ago, I was on the Riot House podcast. You can find them over on Spotify as well. Uh, Billy and Eric uh, are on that show. Eric Maddox and I go back a little ways. We have uh, we played in a band together. Uh, he's always been an incredibly nice guy to me. And I, I was on their show. It's a comedy pack podcast. It's it's freaking hilarious. It, it's a good time. Um, and I, I just went hang out with him, have a few drinks, and just talk a lot of nonsense about whatever hit the hit the room. And I was bringing up the the idea of shutting down the show, and we were going into that. I was actually reading some of the funniest emails that I've I've ever gotten. And uh, Eric was Eric was pretty adamant about that he was upset that I had shut my show down, and he he had some very nice things to say about it. He brought it up a couple of times during that show, and then at the very end of it, he I don't know if it was because the drinks had been flowing for a while, but but Eric looked at me and he's like, "Are you are you really just going to let that be your excuse for shutting the show down?" I thought about that for, for weeks. And I, I want to take a moment to thank everybody, but to say something in particular to him and anyone that may have thought that and not said it to me, I, I feel it. And you're right. A lot of times we can't give people the sorry excuse. Maybe what we should do is turn around and demand a reason from them. And I... I certainly wasn't getting that. And so I, I appreciate the amount of support and all of, all of you reaching out. Uh, I can't tell you how great it is to be back. That being said, it is very important that we get to this interview because this is one. I, I, I got to tell you, honestly, I had a lot of fun speaking with this incredibly nice lady. Uh, we, uh, we talked for quite a while, talked for a little bit afterwards. She was very open and, and very blunt. And and I, I was even more so than I thought, and I, and I really just appreciated that. And 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 her perspective, I think, is very important. There, there's a conversation that we are going to have in this that may seem very politically leaning. I'm not surprised if you already think that. So let for for those of you that may not know the name that is tied to this show, I, I want to tell you really quickly, and, and I want to I want to explain to you why I think this is important. This is Janice Dean from the Fox News Channel. I, not your local Fox News channel, from Fox News. She is the head meteorologist, I guess head meteorologist. She's the one on in the morning, which, let's face it, that's the only time that really counts. She's on with Fox and Friends, with Steve Ducey and Brian and those other, like, lunatics. Who are, well, Ainsley's on there, I think. She's from South Carolina. A little South Carolina shout-out. And a lot of people uh, will immediately look at that and think, well, I don't want to listen to her. I, I would invite you to go back and listen to the clip at the beginning of my show where President Obama took some time out of his busy schedule to explain why we do need to do that. All right. Second, she's not on here to talk politics, but but she is in. Um, it was something that really came to a head on Thursday when a bombshell dropped on Governor Cuomo up in New York that had been lit by Janice Dean, okay? Um, had no idea this was really going to happen before she and I had this interview Friday morning. Uh, so it does have what seems to be a hint of, of politics. Right now. I mean, look, look let, me, let me, this full disclosure here. Janice Dean's on Fox News. Governor Cuomo is a Democrat governor of New York. His brother, Chris Cuomo, has one of the top, if not top, shows over on CNN. This looks like a political argument. I understand that. 
We're going to talk about the fight that she's having a little bit, and I want you to understand, and I asked the question specifically this way, because what's going on from a guy sitting in this seat talking through this microphone that's worked in healthcare, particularly senior health, for, for over two decades? Um, please, please understand that I think there's a conversation here we need to be very careful of. Uh, but it's not just that. It really is to, to show you who she's picking a fight against, and it's really how she's done it and how she's handled it. So I, I just want to make that very, very clear from the front. This is something that everybody needs to listen to, and it's an interview that I got so much out of and did not expect when we had it. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to the interview this week, and then I'll just run my mouth for a little bit on the other side. I want to go to Alaska and get away from it all. I want to go to Alaska where the trees grow tall. When I get to Alaska, I'll buy a pickup truck. And while I'm there in Alaska, I try and press my luck. When I get to Alaska, I'll meet a local girl. We'll find ourselves in Alaska. At least we'll give it a with me this week uh, is, uh, is a very special guest, somebody I'm, I'm really excited for multiple reasons to have on the show. Uh, she currently appears on the Fox News channel where she serves as a co-host and weather anchor on, on uh, Fox and Friends. She has uh, authored a couple of books, including a children's series. And not only that, I think has won the award for most infectious smile on television ever, Janice Dean. Janice, how are you this morning? Oh, Chad, thanks for having me. I haven't won that award, but I, I hope that you'll uh, maybe enter me in, in some kind of contest. I, I, now, that is egregious that you haven't won it. I am writing the application right now. Uh, so, so you know, I am always, this is a funny thing. I've never talked about this in the five years I've had my show. But I have always been absolutely uh, infatuated with meteorologists. I've got a buddy of mine, a, a guy that I grew up with, is much younger than me, but he was a neighbor of mine who's a meteorologist in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, you know, seeing guys like David Letterman come up starting off in, in weather. Everybody that's in weather either are some of the best actors and actresses ever, or everybody that's in weather is like the happiest person. What, what does meteorology school look like? Is it a bunch of people that are just absolutely happy and smiling all the time? Why does it seem to be a profession where everyone is so dang positive and happy? Well, I think there's two things. First of all, you're in a job where you're probably surrounded by news people. And a lot of that news that you see is not so great, right? Right. Most of the time. And so when they go to the weather, it's almost like a sigh of relief. Oh, let's go to the weather. <laughs> and and so I try to, you know, convey a sunny personality, even when I'm covering the storms. Right. And I've been doing it at, at Fox for 17 years now. But I will tell you, I didn't set out to be a meteorologist. I actually began my career in radio. I was a classic rock DJ for a number of years. Um, my, my love is radio. I was doing television sort of on the side as a part-time job and so i fell into meteorology or weather because uh, when i was doing the dj stuff 
I had a program director back home in Canada, which was where I grew up, say, you know what, you're really good on television, because I had do, done a couple of um, telethons, local telethons, where the radio people go out and they show their support yeah. uh, for the children's hospitals or what have you. And the, uh, one of the, you know, program managers of the local television station that was running the telethon said, you know, you've got a lot of great presence on television. Have you ever thought of doing that? And I said, well, I love my job, you know, doing spinning tunes and meeting some rock stars, but um, what did you have in mind? And I ended up being a part-time weather person for their meteorologist when he went on holidays. And I kind of always did that on the side. I always did weather on the side. But when I came to Fox and they asked me if I had done weather before, and I said yes, uh, as a weather presenter, not as somebody who studied meteorology, they still hired me. But I, I decided on my own that if this was going to be my career, that I should probably educate myself. <laughs> so I actually went back to school. I went back to school in my, in my 30s. Uh, Mississippi State, which is a wonderful university for people like me who get into broadcasting and sort of dovetail their way into weather. And it took me three years, and then I got, you know, my AMS certification, and here's where we are today. Now, I might need to check my notes, but when I was, do you say you started your career in radio, but according to the Alexander Research uh, Academy, before you ever hit CHEZ-FM, you were in law enforcement. Was that not, is that not correct? That was a part-time job that I have. You are correct. Because I'm actually somebody, when I was very young, wanted to work at a young age. So I did a lot of part-time jobs, especially in the summertime. And I think when I was 15, I applied for a job at the local city hall that happened to be in the bylaw enforcement department. And back home in Canada, bylaw enforcement officers are the officers that do everything that the cops don't want to do. So, you know, the calls about the long grass and the neighbor's. Uh, <laughs> All the tough stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the loud music or the barking dog. And um, I got that job, and I was working in the clerk's department and taking phone calls for people that were ratting their neighbors out on their long grass or their barking dogs. And so I did that for a number of years during the summertime. And then one year uh, after I had quit college, I was actually in journalism for about three months, and I, I quit before I went to broadcasting school, um, they said to me, well, yeah, why don't you suit up and be a bylaw enforcement officer? <laughs> so I did, that for, I did that for about two and a half weeks, and I wasn't good at giving out parking tickets or chasing barking dogs or giving out, <laughs> you know, um, citations. Right. So I, I only did that, but I did get a couple of pictures with myself and the uniform. There you go. That, 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 that means you did it. So as long as you've got that... You can say you've had a long storied career in law enforcement as long as you've worn the <laughs> uniform for a while. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to talk to you, and it's it's really it was kind of ironic when you and I talked originally about you uh, coming on the show. I, I I wanted to talk to you briefly about this. I, I do think, given the time and things that have dropped within the past twenty four hours, I, I want to talk a, a, about the situation. Now, I, I work in healthcare. I've been an assisted living administrator. I am not now, but I, I have been one for about five years. I've got a long history of working in, in hospice. I, I work for a hospital now, but I've worked in hospice. And so I've been long entrenched in, in senior health. And, I, and I, ha I was in senior health predominantly over the past two years. I just recently switched jobs. So 
I, I've been really interested, you know, in our connection on Twitter and, and following what you've been doing. I'm very saddened by the reason you're having to do it, but I wanted to talk uh, with you briefly about it today. Um, can you explain a little bit about what, you know, this, this, the, sadly about the, the loss of your in-laws and, and what, um, what message you've been trying to get out, which, which looks like they're going to have to be at least some answers. I mean, you and I both know how the news and, 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 and the government can work, but it looks like there's going to have to be some answers and, and kind of talk about, you know, basically what's really the focal point of what's going on in your life right now. Well, in March and April, we lost both of my husband's parents. They were in separate elder care facilities. My husband's dad was in a nursing home because we wanted to get him in better shape to join his wife, Dee, in an assisted living facility. So he was in the nursing home for short a short term um, because he had a lot of problems. He had a lot of health issues. He had dementia. But we were confident that we could get him in, in better health to join Dee at the assisted living residence, which was where you know, very close to our neighborhood so we could go visit them and they had a double room and be quite honest, you know, in the past couple of years, their health declined so badly that we just needed 24 hour care for them. And I will say as an aside that I feel for people that have to make that really tough decision on what to do with their ailing parents, especially when you need to have 24 hour care. So uh, having said that, um, it wasn't long after they were in their elder care facilities where COVID happened and we were quarantined and we lost his father at the end of March and we weren't able to see him. We got a call on a Saturday saying he wasn't feeling well. And three hours later, he's dead. And we didn't know that he had COVID until we saw the death certificate. My husband had to deliver the news to his mom. And again, we're in quarantine. We can't go visit them or see them or have a funeral, or a wake, or last rite. It's just a terrible story that many families have gone through. We lost his mom uh, two weeks later, and she got sick, went to a hospital, and died. Um, she got COVID in her elder care facility, um, and then died in the hospital. Mm. The reason I've become vocal is because back then, I was seeing reports of our governor, Andrew Cuomo, putting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes for 46 days, reversing that decision, and then that mandate being scrubbed from the health department website. And because he wasn't getting asked the questions on television from reporters and instead sort of, you know, having puff pieces and, you know, talks about his love life and the CNN Cuomo hour comedy show with his brother, Chris Cuomo, I thought it was a responsibility for me to go on and tell the story and what was going on uh, in New York with the mandate and the order and why it was important to ask these governors questions as as to why they had these executive orders. And it's just, you know, it's turned into a more of a, you know, a calling, I guess you would say. I, I feel like I'm representing the thousands of families that don't have voices. I think, you know, one of the things that, that I try not to do is I, I don't like, I, I don't use this, this, this podcast to talk about my work. It's not a platform for that. But since I don't work in hospice anymore, it, it is one of those things that we've seen uh, in, in South Carolina. We, we really haven't had any kind of major mismanagement of anything. We, we've actually handled it quite well. But I worked for one of the largest hospice companies in, in the nation, and we were involved uh, with CDC updates and DHEC updates, our uh, health, you know, um, Department 
of environmental and health. I know other states, they, they kind of flip those around. Um, but we heard about New York and we heard what was going on. And the people in the health community down here were, were pretty shocked at it too. Um, it's not that I, you know, somebody makes a bad decision. I, I understand that. And that can happen. We have to learn things and we have to, we have to fix it. And, and I get that. Um, I was a little surprised to see things like, I mean, I, I kind of knew because of who his brother was that he, the puff pieces and the distraction pieces would be there when he was nominated for an Emmy was, was kind of surprising. You know, when we suddenly seem to be celebrating someone who has made a bad decision, that, that's infuriating, but I'm, I'm curious as a family, um, you know, with, with your husband losing his parents and, and with what y'all have been through, it's great that you're bringing awareness to this and, and showing that we need, we need to do better and what we need to pay attention to. How have y'all dealt with not only the loss of them, but, but the obvious anger that, that comes with the grief of, of this entire situation? Well, it's magnified because as you mentioned, uh, every time we would see this governor, when we have the loss of our family members and we can't have funerals and mourn them properly, and he's out celebrating himself with his COVID book, uh, his leadership book, and he had a poster he was selling of the COVID mountain that he supposedly uh, helped crush the curve. And, you know, now the cases skyrocketed back again. It was just tough because we didn't have that support of a media that I think if this governor was a Republican, it would be on every front page of every newspaper and on every television network uh, on the evening news. We just weren't seeing that coverage. And, and he sort of would ignore the fact that there were, you know, things, major things going on in the state that he represents. So it just compounded our grief and anger because we weren't getting the answers to the questions we wanted. And we never really even got an apology or a, I'm sorry for your loss. So that was very tough as well. I, it's somewhat ironically two years ago, um, actually about a year to the month before we started dealing with COVID down here in, in South Carolina, um, March of 2019, you, you released a book, um, called mostly sunny, how I learned to keep smiling through the rainiest days. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I read that during, during my quarantine period down here and, I, and, and just let you know, I, I, I didn't have being in healthcare. I wasn't really quarantined like everybody else was, but I did seem to have a little bit extra time. And I, I read your book, and um, in, in preparing to talk to you today, I couldn't help but think about it. Not only with what we've all had to go through with COVID, you know, you've talked about medical diagnosis that you've, you've been through with MS and things like that. I, I did see, um, I, you pointed it out to me about the, someone is looking at a vaccine for MS, which is wonderful news, and I'm, I, I wanted to read up a little bit more on that. But now dealing with this, with, with the loss uh, of, of your in-laws, the, the anger that exists, trying to bring um, awareness to this so that we can keep things like this from happening in the future. And, and honestly, hopefully somebody dishing out some apologies and admitting where they were wrong instead of being praised for things that didn't happen. Has your book helped you? Has writing that book while you've written it to help other people, has that helped you through this period? And if, and if so, how? Hmm. Well, I wrote it to kind of help people that have gone through challenges in their life. So, you know, yes, in a sense, 
that when I revisit the writing process and trying to turn challenges into teachable moments and moments that you realize that sometimes the toughest journeys that you go on bring the most beautiful destinations. So having gone through those types of scenarios and, and living life like everyone does, you, you never know what somebody is going through. Um, of course, you know, I, I think I'm more empathetic towards others. I think that, um, you know, going through something like a diagnosis or a death in a family, um, you realize that life is precious and every single moment that we have with our family and our friends and things that bring us joy are really things to be celebrated. And so I wrote that book two years ago, but I will tell you, I just finished a new book, which did bring me great joy during the pandemic in times of darkness. And it's not about me, but it's about other people. And that comes out in March and it's called make your own sunshine. And the basis of that was finding people doing kind things for others. And every chapter focuses on, you know, it could be a small gesture of kindness that turns somebody's day around to bigger movements that happen that, you know, that spawn kind of a, a domino effect where other people take the baton and do kind things after somebody does something for them. So that book, writing that book and talking these, to these extraordinary people really helped me get through some of the darkest periods of my family's life, you know, during the pandemic. Gotcha. How, um, I just have to ask, how's your husband doing with all this? He's okay. I mean, listen, this is very challenging. And in the beginning, he didn't want me to be telling our family story. He's a very private person. He's not a broadcaster. He's a New York city firefighter and someone who is, uh, you know, very private. I mean, he encourages my job, obviously, but he really didn't want to bring his family into this. Um, but when we saw the governor being, you know, on these talk shows and never being asked about the mandate, the order, the fact that he was covering up all of these numbers when it comes to seniors and how, how many of them died in New York, he gave me his blessing because he realized if I didn't speak out, no one would. Yeah. Um, on a, on a less serious note, I want you to know that now knowing that your husband is a New York City firefighter, in my mind, he is going to be Dennis Leary's character, uh, Tommy Gavin, for, for the rest of my... I want to, I just want to imagine when I watch you giving the weather that you are Tommy Gavin's wife from now on. That That's just what I'm going to do. Yeah. I, I, I love that show. That was a great show. It you, truly was. My wife and I have been... Re she never watched it, and she was watching some firefighter show, and I, I was making fun of it, like, you know, husbands do, and they, they torment their wives. And I was like, you want, you want to see a real firefighter show about real firefighters? We got to watch this. And she loves it. Like, she... She loves it too. Um, she does admit it's more of a guy-centered show, obviously, but it's a it's a brilliant it's a brilliant show. Hey, I, let me let me ask you uh, just a couple of things before I, I know that you got to leave because I you know I, I want to be uh, mindful of our time uh, again. And I, again, I appreciate you spending time with us uh, here again today. Um, when it when when you're looking at what you do, and you know there's this there's a strange. There's a strange thing that we do to sports folks. And, and when you're looking at what you've done with this issue, a lot of times when we have athletes want to speak out on something, people very quickly will tell them, hey, I, I don't want you speaking out. Why don't you just stick to sports? A lot. This will even happen with sports writers. Uh, I'm sure you've seen none of that. 
um, uh, as a weather person. I'm sure nobody would ever say that to you. As a matter of fact, I think I've seen it almost every time you've tweeted something. Um, but you do have a very um, interesting platform that you are that bright and sunny person on TV. You, you do a very wonderful job, uh, not only just you know technically with what you do with the weather, but, but in being that personality. I was watching the video of you and Kennedy, which was so cool the other day, uh, just goofing around. Uh, on the weather set, and uh, you know, you, you get to be that person, but it feels to me like you know, it's not like a hey, just go back to weather. You know, you're someone who is surrounded by the news constantly, probably over informed in, in some ways of stuff that you want to hear about. When you talk about your husband kind of giving you the blessing and moving forward, you're not someone that's known for st stepping out and speaking up on, on, on things in a manner like this or in a manner that can be seen as. Not controversial, but but at least having some kind of conflict in it. What? How did you give yourself the okay to move forward and speak out on this? Not thinking about it too much, I guess. You know? <laughs> I'm glad you didn't talk to me before you did it. Then <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you, and and it's it's not a comfortable place to be in. To be honest with you, I get very nervous. I, um, you know, it's. I don't enjoy it. Let's just say that. Um, but it's a calling. It's, it, I call myself the accidental ag advocate because I never saw myself in this position. But I'm doing it even though it's painful and it's difficult because I, I want answers and accountability from this leader and his government. And, and I'm doing it not only for my family, but my in-laws uh, who are no longer with us. But they deserve answers, and so do the thousands of others of families. And my husband's parents were registered Democrats, and so this is not political. This is just common decency and a, a respect for the greatest generation that could have had a few more years left in their life. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, before I let you go, I do want to ask a question or two. Uh, that I originally wanted to ask, you know, a lot, a lot of times on this show, when I have people come on that are, that are very successful, um, you know, one of the things that's always brought up to me in the emails that I get is people feel like when they, when they leave college or if they leave high school, that there's one track and a track that they're supposed to be on. And you look at yourself and I know a lot of it has to be, you know, it seems to be more with people like you that have very exuberant personalities and, and, and really get involved in a lot of things and are, are very personable and, and really kind of out there. But you know, when when you were back on you know on the radio spinning records and stuff like that, did you see yourself one day being? I mean, you've written children's books, so not only are you like a meteorologist, you're you're a personality on a major network, even and now you're 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 adding writer to that. Were, were these things that you saw yourself potentially doing one day, or are they completely different? And if that is the case. Where do you find the confidence to move forward and try something different with your life? Hmm. That's a good question. I think no matter what age you're at, you always need to challenge yourself and do new things. I think that's what is the greatest thing about being alive. I don't like being sort of in a comfort zone. In terms of writing, I was, I was always a good writer in school. I, I felt that, you know, that's something that I would love to do someday and the children's books were sort of a beginning of that. And it also helped the fact that I would go out to schools and I, I wouldn't find books for kids about weather. So 
I thought, why don't I try this myself? And so I, I got confidence in writing those books. And, you know, when an editor came to me and said, you know, you're so sunny on TV. Do you have a memoir in you about your life and how you got to be where you are today? Um, you know, I had to kind of think about it for a while. I've always been somebody who's shared. I'm maybe overshared sometimes on television, <laughs> but I feel like it's important, especially on a morning show. I want the people who wake up with us to feel like they know the people that they're watching. And so I've always been very open about my diagnosis with it, with MS. Uh, you know, people know when I got engaged, they knew when I was having kids. So I, ju I just thought that it was, it was a natural thing for me to open up about my life and how I got to where I am today. You know, you, you sure are, you know, obviously taking on a very hard challenge with this thing against the governor. Do you ever feel like you're, you're making it too tough? Like you should just put on the Canadian uniform and get your old, um, legal, pad or and write him a ticket and just send it to him Is he, have you thought maybe trying that that's so funny i that i would definitely get back into the bylaw enforcement officer outfit if i could write him a ticket <laughs> <laughs> well well listen janice number one thank you for for spending time with us today um i i, I really i want to let you know personally um i do appreciate the way you seem to keep smiling in the rain I love the fact, I absolutely love the fact that the title of your book is Mostly Sunny, um, that it's not like sunshine every day. Um, I, I think that the pragmatism you have towards life and, and facing hard challenges is a wonderful thing. I, I could not recommend your book enough. Um, I want to remind everybody that your, your, your other book comes out March of this year, Make Your Own Sunshine. And if it's anything like the other one, I would certainly um, recommend that to anyone um, and, and I just want, want you to know that it, it is wonderful to have people like you that even going through challenging times are still just trying to make the world a, a better place and a brighter place. So thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing your story. And I, I wish you the best luck. And I wish I wish you and your husband peace in, in, in this entire uh, obstacle that you're facing right now. I appreciate that. And thank you. Thank you for giving me a platform to tell the story. So I'm grateful for that. All right. Well, thanks. Well, Janice Dean, uh, you can find her all over the place. She's on the internet. She's famous. It's easy to find her, but look for that book. Make your own sunshine coming out this March. Janice, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. God bless. On a dark and stormy night, I found the devil in an easy chair. Alone and cold, facing into the wind. So don't be frightened by the ones that'll break your heart After all, it's only a phantom limb I want to say thanks again uh, to Janice Dean for joining us, taking time out of her schedule um, to, uh, to come and, 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 and share her story and her uh, positivity and, and all that with, with everybody here. Um, a little housekeeping real quick. If you are a new listener to the show, the, the music you hear is all done uh, by a singer-songwriter here in South Carolina, down in Charleston. His name is Don Merkel. You can find him on his Instagram, YouTube, uh, all that stuff. Uh, great, great, wonderful singer and songwriter. As a matter of fact, Eric, who I mentioned beforehand, 
that really got me back into the show. And I both used to play in his band with a bunch of wonderful guys uh, before he fired all of us and uh, decided to do his own thing. But no, uh, all kidding aside, uh, Don's a wonderful, wonderful talent. Check him out. Um, and, uh, you, you, well, you know, he's famous too. You can just Google him and you can probably find him. He's also been on like 15 of these shows. So you can probably just go back and find him somewhere on there. Um, you know, I, I love Janice's message. I, I love her positivity towards it. There's something in that, though, that I, I've – there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with that. Uh, there's there's quite a few moments that hit me for different reasons. I, let's talk about the first one that's very obvious. I am nowhere near as famous as she is. Uh, I am, uh, like, famous in my own mind. I, I, I'm not really uh, – someone who carries a, a, a huge platform but but in in the world of the internet and with with podcasting and what it is and with the size of this audience uh, I do speak to more people than I ever have right there there is something about opening up uh, that I think has got to be uh, insanely scary I, I don't really do it but I mean hey I, my wife and I were fearful for a little, a little bit last last year. So much that we shut down a podcast. We had to pick up and move and change our names. I'm, I don't mean to, to to say that, but yeah, there there was something that was that was kind of there that we were, you know, we were concerned about. I can't imagine having the platform that she has. While while there's a lot of benefits to that, I mean, you you can have people attack you for for nothing. Um, going up against a guy who's the governor of the state, who's who's done some things that you think might be pretty seedy. I mean, if he if if he's the the dirty backhanded guy you think he is, calling him out doesn't make you immune; it makes you a target. Um, so I don't know anything about that, but just the little bit that we've been through um, is enough to to make me really feel for her on that. The other thing, though, is uh, kind of what brought me back to the show. When you when you when you have the opportunity to to say something, you you should, and you don't have to do it in a in a really negative way. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, read some of her tweets. She gets a little chippy about some stuff, rightfully so. She feels that her in laws and a bunch of other people's family passed away when they shouldn't have. Okay. But she still has a positivity about her and a belief that the good things will come out of this, and that's why she does it, and I think it's wonderful. There's a great, great message on wanting to stick up for the, the little folks out there, the people that don't have the platform that she has. I find that incredibly admirable. It's, take, take, this, take this Robin Hood Wall Street thing that happened last week. I know a lot of you have heard about it. A lot of you are tired hearing about it. But a lot of folks don't understand it. I'm going to explain it to you in 15 seconds in a way that you'll get it. And it's the simplest way you've ever heard about it. All right, ready? Here it is. Remember the Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy movie, Trading Places, a wonderful 80s movie? That happened in real life last week. Just take the two old guys. Those are hedge funds in Wall Street. Take the Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. That's a bunch of dudes on a Reddit forum. And then replace the orange juice stock with GameStop stock. That's it. If you haven't seen that movie, go back and watch it. That's what it is. That's what happened. 
there's a great conversation that's happening now because as these people turned around and manipulated the market, the way that people have been doing legally behind closed doors, it brought up a conversation. But then people like Robinhood and TD Ameritrade and E-Trade all shut down access for those folks so that the people on Wall Street and the hedge funds could try to protect themselves. Brought up another conversation. There's about five or six main conversations that came out last week, and we are in the middle of this battle. And the conversations center around how free are we? How much is there a ruling class that is protected, keeping us from finding out what's really going on? Who's protecting that class? It's it's a conversation you don't need to just ignore. It's it even if you don't own a single stock, you probably should pay attention to it. It's the same thing with what Janice is doing. Maybe you don't have a loved one in an assisted living, but you're going to one day. When, while I was gone, um, you know, I don't even have it up on the webpage at localbarmedia.com, and maybe I'll do that. Uh, I, I took some time, and I did basically like an, an audio – it's not an audio book. We'll call it an audio lesson in um, all the different types of um, senior care there is for folks that are looking for an answer for their parents. And it kind of talks in a very brief way about the six or seven different paths you can go and the differences between them and, and why you need to know about them um, in order to find the one that fits great for your parents right now. Uh, it, it took me it took me a few days to put this thing together, uh, but it was very fun, and it was wonderful to be able to talk about that. It's, ca- it's called Becoming Your Parents' Parent. Uh, you can find it on Gumroad. I- I'll, I'll put some links up there to it. Um, but one of the things, as I was shooting this out to people, kind of like in testing, is that uh, folks are like, gosh, I had no idea. You know, I, I never thought about this with my parent. And I, I tell people that, that sent that back, I, I've heard about that millions of times. Nobody ever goes into an assisted living. It's like, yeah, I'm just looking around in case, uh, you know, one day, one day in the future. Okay. I, actually, that happened to me one time, and it still floors me. But, but nobody ever really does that. Nobody ever really does that. They wait for something to go wrong and then they feel panicked. And then they feel like they got nowhere to go. But the truth is they have a million places to go. They just haven't looked into it yet. That's what Janice is doing with this. It's it's not just political, although there is a very interesting conversation to have there. But what are we doing for, for we talk about healthcare in this country all the time. But what are we doing about it? How are we taking care of it? How are we taking care of each other? And there it is. The government's gonna come and and save us again, right? If you're a first-time listener to this show, that's the most facetious thing you're ever going to hear me say. <laughs> if you're waiting on the government to save you, you're going to be waiting a long time. But as a matter of fact, the mentality we need to have is if you're waiting for anyone to save you, you're going about this the wrong way. And when I say this, I mean life. I tell you how our family started off the year. We we were we were going to spend January first uh, up in the mountains. My wife, our two daughters, they're now ten and eight. 
We're all going to get together because we had a pretty tough year last year. We didn't have anywhere near as tough as a lot of people had, to be honest with you. Uh, Maria and I are very blessed. We're very lucky. Um, we did have some issues and some hardships, but but nothing like with what other people dealt with. We got up there on the first, and um, your boy here came down with COVID. And so did everybody else except for my oldest daughter, who now believes that she has superpowers. And I don't think anyone's going to convince her that she doesn't. We all got over that, but my uncle, who was 60, uh, went to the hospital to get a knee replacement, caught COVID, and uh, we sadly buried him a few weeks ago. It was very weird uh, for my family to be going through COVID the same time he did, um, and we are fine, and he's no longer with us. It's very sad. Um, been very hard for my dad and his brother and, and, the, and, and Wiley's wife and his son. Uh, my mom, everybody that's very close with him has been, has been. He was, he's a really good man. People say that all the time after somebody passes away, and we sometimes don't believe it. I, nobody's gonna say it about me when I die, but I mean, like, we, we, we say that. I, I mean it with him. It's, it's, it's just terrible. During that week, uh, we had a plane crash directly across the street from our house. Uh, everybody was okay. Nobody in the any of the houses uh, were killed. The only person on board was a pilot who sadly did not make it. But um, when a plane crashes and then explodes uh, across the street from your house in downtown in a downtown you know neighborhood in a city, uh, you you feel like the whole story about oh twenty twenty is just a tough year. It's kind of like well let me tell you about this month. Last week, my wife uh, had a birthday, and we wanted to celebrate it. It was hard to. She had a friend who's been battling cancer, who I wanted to get on the show at one point. Um, she got a very unfair uh, diagnosis. I believe she was, I think it was liver cancer first. I, I can't remember. And then uh, she was also diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Both of them caused complications with taking care of the other one. They didn't think she would live that long. She's she's gone quite a few years. Uh, sadly, she is no longer here. She leaves behind a husband and a five-year-old son, and, and life has been hitting people on the chin when they aren't looking in, in only that unfair way that only life can do. The, the storms are there. I don't need a meteorologist to tell me if the storms are going to come. Sometimes that meteorologist doesn't even really know. But I dig what Janice says in her book, and I, and I like the title of it. Life is mostly sunny because because I choose to look at it that way. You know, there's there's the old adage about the optimist and the pessimist. You've heard about this before. Uh, the optimist looks at the glasses half full. The pessimist looks at it half empty. I do believe there is something that people miss, and it's the realist point of view. The realist knows that, number one, if everybody just sits around long enough, someone's going to have to clean the freaking glass. But all kidding aside, what the realist understands is, no, that glass isn't full, but there's something there. That's looking at life, mostly sunny. I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but um, I can always find a year that's ridiculous. 
No, the challenges we faced this past year, a lot of them have been out of our hands. A lot of people are scared for many reasons. We, we, we were freaked out about COVID. We're scared to death of it. One of the things that, that I'm just going to tell you personally from my perspective in healthcare, I'm going to tell you what I've learned the most from this is if we ever have a pandemic where the death rate of the disease is extremely high, we do not know how to handle it. That is scary in and of itself to me, okay? There are people that are scared because of their businesses. There are people that are scared because they don't have health care. They have the type of job where they don't have an employer giving them health care. This idea that we created post-World War II that has worked in some instances, but in the, I mean, look at the hustle, the hustle crowd that's out there now. You know, I, I see reminders on Twitter all the time for all these people that are doing a lot of these side gigs that turn into main gigs because they're lucrative. I see the guys that really kind of preach that all the time, constantly saying, you know, we, we do need to talk about health care sometimes, and you should have some. It's very tough. It's very scary for a lot of folks out there. I, under, I understand all that. Kids in schools and what's going on. I don't even want to talk about what's happened with the suicide rate. I did see, by the way, someone shot me an email. It was a few months ago, and they said, hey, look, you know, I know you've always been big on, like, suicide awareness, but just so you know, here's a study that came out. The suicide rate hadn't changed at all, and I, I kindly looked at him and said, your, your numbers are from 2018. I work right across the street from a hospital. When the numbers come out for 2020, you're not going to believe them. It's sad. We're all scared. There's a lot of things that we're all scared about. But you're not going to beat things by being scared. No, you put on your raincoat on rainy days, and you try to find the silver lining in a cloud. And you go out there on sunny days, and you, and you, and you just thank God above that you get a day out here where it's beautiful and there's not a cloud in the sky, and you go try to make the most of it. When it's snowy, yeah, you curse as you shovel the driveway, but you take a few moments to have a snowball fight with their kids that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. It doesn't matter what's thrown at us, whether we know it's coming or not. How we face it means everything. Because, look, I'm going to give you the other side of Janice's fight here. Let's say nothing comes out of this. Nothing. Let's say Cuomo is given that Emmy, which I still don't understand. Let's say he continues to look like the guy that can just, he is the head of this. He needs to be put in charge of all of the things when it comes to health care and older folks from now on. And Janice has to walk away from this in some ways by the measures that she probably has in her mind defeated. Okay, let's say that happens, because here's the thing. Reality, it could. But you walk away from it, ask yourself, what do you learn? What did you learn? What can you take with you? How can you continue your fight, push the awareness that's needed? How can you help in your community to make sure at least within the circle that you have, it doesn't happen again? There's always something you can learn from it. I'll tell you this, the one thing you can learn from any battle, one that you win or one that you lose, is perseverance. And I'm going to tell you, perseverance will help you in all the battles to come 
afterwards. It's strange hearing a guy that ran away from his show from seven months tell you that you should persevere. I understand my hypocrisy knows no bounds. That's okay because I'm back and I'm here. Y'all, there's a lot of problems out there right now. Everyone's got them, and everyone has their individual focus on it and how it affects them and their families, and all of them are somewhat similar but extremely different because they're ours. I'm not telling you to go into life with some naivete. Janice doesn't do that. She doesn't sit over there. I mean, did you hear the way she opened up the interview, that she sits there and listens to all the news. She hears all the things, everything that sounds horrible for the day, and then they cut over to her so that they can take a breath. And as she hears all this, she knows that she's not naive. She understands what's going on. She turns and smiles and tries to make the day a little bit better in 20 seconds at a time. Sometimes we have to do that for our kids or our spouse. But no matter what, we have to put up our sleeves and get the elbow grease going and do some work and make it happen. It's a cloudy day. Put on a coat. Make sure everybody is around you. But go out there and make it the best cloudy day you've ever had. You see, that's the crazy thing about weather. We deal with it every day. It changes constantly. We have no control over it. But we've learned to adapt so it has no control over us. It's cold, wear a coat. It's hot, find some air conditioning. It's rainy, take an umbrella. Or grab someone and go running through the rain and dance in it. Or have like a scene from the notebook, whatever. Like that, the weather doesn't control. Why do we look at everything else that happens to us out of our control as if it's any different than the weather? It's COVID. Take your vitamins, wash your hands, take care of yourself. You overweight, lose weight. Are you pre diabetic? Drop the pounds, do whatever you can. It's not easy. We should take care of ourselves. Worried about insurance? Talk with your neighbor. Talk with your church. Try to find someone that can help you out. Things going well for you, like they are here in the Alexander household. I can't tell you how many times Maria's tried to find people that may need something over this past year where we can help. You know how many kids she's watched while people have gone back and forth to job interviews, gone back and forth to different states to get stuff? I brag on my wife a little bit. Both of our girls have raised tons of food for Harvest Hope and school supplies for kids that don't have a school where they get a little bit of extra stuff from. Both of them have done that. Go do it. Go be the ray of sunshine in somebody's gloomy day. Look, it's great to be back. It's wonderful to be here again with you. I've missed you a ton. We've got some great guests coming up over the next few weeks. If you yourself want to be one or you've got somebody you think you would uh, would, would really benefit from being on here and we'd all benefit from hearing, please just shoot me an email, chat at localbarmedia.com. Um, we'd love to talk to anybody that is, is willing to come on. But more than anything, we are glad that you are back listening. Please share this show 
subscribe to it on whatever platform you can. Let other people know about it. If it's something that means something to you, it probably will mean something to someone else. Send it out to them. We appreciate it, but more than anything else, we just want to get more positive stories out there because they have to exist exist this way because I got a good friend that works in the news, and I know this about it. Positive stories just don't lead because they don't bleed. (laughs) But thanks for being here. And until next week, take care. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com. I know.